The Beers and Ears podcast is sponsored by Riss and Cal. This holiday season in your search for stocking stuffers, you don't have to be like the Mad Titan, scouring the universe to collect all six stones. Instead, find all the tech accessories you need for your friends and family in one place. Whether it's wireless neck fans for those warm days at the studios, or a waterproof case for when you're searching for that wandering rabbit, they've got an entire assortment. When you go to fourfrills.com shop, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop. Select your items and then use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. Don't forget that proceeds of the purchase go to help nonprofits and a portion of the proceeds help to support the Beers and Ears podcast as well. So head on over to fourfrills.com and use that promo code today to get a jump start on your holiday shopping. Let's start the show. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. There was an idea to bring together 23 episodes of a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that when we needed it, we were ready for the premiere of Black Widow. This is That Podcast. And now for your hosts of the Beers and Ears Podcast, here's Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Infinity Saga series. My name is Casey. And I'm Matt. We are about two-thirds, just over two-thirds of the way done with this journey. Yes, and we have come to a big one. And, you know, at the very beginning onset of this, we said we were going to hold ourselves to about 23 minutes per episode, except on special occasions. This is one of those special occasions because today we are talking about Captain America Civil War, or what I oftentimes like to refer to as Avengers 2.5. Pretty much is. (laughs) It is. I mean, in fact, I would argue there were more characters, more heroes in this than there were in Age of Ultron. And yes, we don't have some of our big hitters like Thor or, or the Hulk, but we get some of our future big hitters kind of getting their origins in this particular movie. And so I'm excited to talk about this one. I know I sent you a text when I was watching it uh, just about how excited it was and how much I forgot how good of a movie this was. So I want to start, Matt, with you. Overall, first impressions, go. Okay, I've got a steaming hot take coming in. All right. I This is one of the few movies that I held on a pedestal, and when I watched it again, it kind of disappointed me. Really? Yeah, and and I'll get into some of the reasons why a little bit later in the episode, because I, I, I want to set up that there are some things in this movie that are top-notch. The Civil War comic is one that I really, really love, Obviously, they were not going to be able to replicate exactly what they did in the Civil War comic. There's just too many other characters they didn't have access to, all this other stuff. But 
the core of what that comic was is felt in this movie. And I was really happy to see that. And that was prevalent again when I watched it. I was like, oh yeah, this has that DNA in it. And I love it. Mm-hmm. The the split, I, 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 I love the split between the two hero sides that it makes sense of like this, all right, neither one of them feels right, but neither one of them feels wrong. I, 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 the beginning of this movie, all the way up into the airport scene, which is a wonderful, wonderful scene, is mm-hmm. just top notch. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just, it was after that airport scene that I was like, uh, and I'll get into that later. So what, what overall impressions for you? What, what were you? It's so funny because I think you and I are complete polar opposites on this. This is one of those movies when it first debuted, I liked it, but I wasn't hot on it. And then rewatching it, I fell in love with it even more. And this is one, and, and we have talked about your, your MCU villains theory almost every episode. This is one of those show movies where there really isn't a villain. I mean, if you think about everything you watched in that two and a half hours, yeah, Zemo, I think it's Zemo, Zemo's there, but he's not a villain. He's not really a bad guy. Yes, he blew up a couple buildings. He, you know, he had some revenge on his mind. But he's not a supervillain. He's not hell-bent on taking over the world. He's just pissed. He's like, look, you took everything away from me. I'm going to take everything away from you. And yet, without the villain, the movie, I think, is even stronger. Because what I like about this movie, and the reason why I think I'm so, so sold on this movie, Matt, is because it brings to light a lot of the nitpicks that you and I have had on some of the movies leading up to this point. Like, why would you call the Avengers in for this? Or, you know, who handles that damage over here? You're telling me that no one in that city is going to have, like all these nitpicks that we've had. It's like this movie brings the Avengers back down to earth, literally. and says, look, there's actually consequences for each of these fights that we've had, there's actually repercussions. People have died. And in, in the real world, the United Nations would be looking at this and going, something's not right. We've got to get a handout handle on this. And, and I find this particular movie more believable than some of the movies we've watched for that reason. But I guess for me, this conflict that happens, it fe- it felt so manufactured and so far-fetched really? and so, so what i did is after this movie was done i was like wait a minute so what was the how did this how did this conflict get started and so i pretty much chronicled zemo's plan so here's here's what it is first off scarlet witch has to do something in lagos that triggers the sokovia accords because ultimately, that the the mistake that they made in Lagos is what triggered the Sokovia Accords. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, may, maybe, I think it was the catalyst. I don't think it was the trigger. I think the trigger was. Ha- I, I think had Lagos not happened, I still think that this would have happened. I just think it happened faster because of what happened in Lagos. Okay, so fine. 
So the Sokovia Accords, regardless, happen. So he decides now he is going to bomb the UN, which is no uh, easy task, frame Bucky, a person who has been in hiding for seven years and then all of a sudden comes out and easily shows his face to a security camera, somehow knows that Steve and Tony will fight over this, infiltrates the government facility as a psychologist who apparently how he got into that uh, uh, facility was he said, Hey guys, I'm the UN psychologist. And they were like, that checks out. Come on in because any facial recognition or fingerprinting would have been like, wait a minute. No, you're not get out of here. Then he releases that he actually killed the psychologist in hopes that Tony is going to figure it out and get to Siberia in time. And he's also banking on that Steve has not already told Tony that uh, Winter Soldier was the one that killed his parents. It just, I'm all for suspension of disbelief, but this just feels like this incredibly meticulous plan that if the Avengers were to just sit down and go, hang on guys, let's have like a five minute conversation just to make sure we've got all the facts right. This feels weird. Yeah, it does. Maybe we should talk about this and not just fight over it. I can, I can see where you're at on that, but here, here, here's why I, I, I'm still okay with it. First and foremost, I think the movie plays without Zemo. I think the movie plays without without all. I mean, yes, there, there's major plot points in this that move the movie along, but the, the the seeds of discord between Stark and Rogers were sown three movies ago. I mean, they, they've always had a contentious relationship. Tony has been on the edge of a breakdown ever since Avengers. I mean, you've seen that in, in Iron Man three, you've seen that in a couple, you know, a couple of the other movies, he, he's on the verge of a breakdown anyway, age of Ultron, you know? And so when, in, in this movie, when the, the lady, you know, says, look, you killed my son, that, that flips him over the edge to say, look, we've got to be put in check. Right. I work for the state department, human resources. I know it's boring, but it enabled me to raise a son. I'm very proud of what he grew up to be. His name was Charlie Spencer. You murdered him. In Sokovia. Not that that matters in the least to you. That's a great scene, by the way. I really, I really love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But my, my, the reason why I think it still plays is that Zemo is he's kind of a he's 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 smart, he's an intelligent guy. He spent a year of his life crafting out how all of this is going to go. Yeah, I think maybe there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief, but to me the civil war isn't what happens between Tony and and uh, Evans, Tony and Rogers um <laughs> at the end. Yeah, it's it's not it's not what happens between Iron Man and Captain America when they go to Siberia. That that's extra added, you know, icing on the cake right to me the civil war is what leads up is the airport scene is literally the the decision for half the team to sign the accords half the team not to sign the accords and the fissures that break between them and then this guy takes advantage of that he was not the mastermind behind the accords the accords were happening anyway he simply used them as a catalyst to to kind of formulate his own agenda i remember thinking to myself that after the airport scene Honestly, that last, I won't say third of the movie, but the last 25% of the movie, which is really what happens after the airport scene, really didn't even need to be there. I, I think the movie was 
pretty well wrapped up by the airport scene and I, had they reworked it. I 100% agree with you on that. That at yeah. the last it was 40 minutes, I remember looking at it going, there's still 40 minutes left in this movie. I 100% agree with you on that, that the, that, that conflict I'm more interested in, but then they had to like concoct this finale that just was, was the airport scene is so good. They play it so well mm-hmm. with, with, You've got the two leaders, but then, you you know, we talked in Ant-Man yesterday of how he's a B hero, but he shines in his, in the B hero role in this. Mm -hmm. And so do all these other heroes that, that uh, it's that come, that are not your main players. It's so well done. That conflict feels real. Hey guys, Oh, what, what, what the hell was that? I believe this is yours, Captain America. Oh, great. All right, there's two on the parking deck. One of them's Maximoff. I'm going to grab her. Brody, you want to take Cap? Got two in the terminal, Wilson and Barnes. Barnes is mine. Hey, Mr. Stark, what should I do? What we discussed. Keep your distance. Web them up. Okay, copy that. Move, Captain. I won't ask a second time. Look, I really don't want to hurt you. I wouldn't stress about it. Oh! Then the last 40 minutes feel like this concocted crap that I'm, I'm like, why are we doing this? Yeah, I, I, I can, I can definitely respect what you're saying there because again, the, the whole going to Siberia, there were a lot of things like, and then, and then, and then, and then all have to line up in order for it to make sense, which I, I get, I totally get that, which is why I said, I think the movie plays without an effective villain at all. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Ross is more of an antagonist and is probably more believable as a quote unquote villain, even though he's not a villain than Zemo is as the villain of this. Right. I think that the Russo brothers also had, they had a lot. (laughs) This is a, this is a linchpin of the franchise in that they had to untangle the mess of winter soldier. Okay. They had to untangle the mess of Ultron, they had to introduce a what will eventually become one of the most popular characters in the franchise, Black Panther. They have to introduce another will absolutely be a most popular character in the franchise, Spider-Man, while, by the way, keeping that quiet while they were doing it because it wasn't for sure a for sure thing, right? All the while, make this seem like a bigger big gigantic story yet if you notice the infinity stones were never once mentioned in this movie whatsoever right so uh, vision mentions the mind stone he well he mentions being able to control it as opposed to allowing it to control him but in the context of it being an infinity stone itself and you know like the end of the last movie where you know four of the six have, have shown themselves that's no coincidence and thor leaves that this this is one of those movies that it takes itself seriously, but not so serious on the level of a universe-ending event, right? It again, it, I, I reason why I think I like this movie so much is I feel like it's grounded in the realities of our political governments of Earth, and yeah. the Russo brothers just they had a they had such a complex task, and I almost wonder if. Because they're the ones who did in-game Infinity Wars, right? Yes, absolutely. So I'm almost wondering if this was a trial run to see 
how well they could fit as many characters into the movie as possible to see if they could then make it even that much more epic when Infinity Wars and Endgame came around. Yeah, and I I, I 100% agree with you on the this movie feels more grounded. And that's one of the reasons why, again, please do not get me wrong, this is not a bad movie. I still really like this movie. The, 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 the conflict around the Sokovia Accords feels very real. Like if superheroes mm-hmm. existed in our world, there would absolutely be some version of the Sokovia Accords and some version of the argument of do we let enhanced people run free or do we control them with the, with governmental oversight and the mm-hmm. pros and cons of each of those. And um, that feels very real. It just when it when it got too not real is when you started to lose me a little bit. That's um, fair. So, We've already mentioned some of our favorite parts, but Casey, more formally, what were your favorite parts of this movie? Oh my goodness. I think there's just too many to count in this. I mean, again, you mentioned the airport scene. I actually think the whole introduction of Peter Parker is really well done. I, I love I agree. I love that whole scene, you know, that the the banter between Stark and Parker, I think is fun. I do think it's a little creepy that Tony Stark, like was watching this kid like that's a little creepy but you know and and how he came up on stark's radar i have no idea i i think that that's interesting but i do like the banter i like i i just think uh uh, tom holland is the perfect spider-man and i know we're going to get into that tomorrow with with um uh homecoming um and by the way i've not seen homecoming yet so at all i've never seen it so, oh. uh, it's, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to watch that and then, and then talk about it. Cause I've seen far from home, but the only, the only, uh, Avengers, um, only Marvel movie yet left that I have not seen is, is Spider-Man homecoming. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was really well done. Um, I loved T'Challa. I love black Panther. I think watching him, let me see here. What else did I like? Again, the airport scene is just phenomenal. In fact, that, that soundtrack, Oh my God, the soundtrack. I, I downloaded that two years ago. Uh, you know, the dun, 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 dun. You know, it's just, it's so epic. to watch them fight one another. I actually, I teared up a little bit because it is such a powerful, emotional moment to watch. Like the whole, especially knowing what happens with, with uh, Romanoff and Barton and Endgame and how she sacrifices herself, right? Watching them fight here, that, that it just, it, you know, knowing and foreshadowing what's coming. I just, I think it's, um that was one of my favorite parts too. What about you? Well, and to jump off that, when uh, uh, Hawkeye or Clint and um, T'Challa are fighting, and he's like, we haven't met yet. I'm Clint. And he's like, I don't care. We haven't met yet. I'm Clint. I don't care. When he says, Clint, give it to me. Um, it like Those are the subtle things that you don't realize yep. until you're watching them through again. So um, I don't know if it's because we're preparing for Black Widow that I'm more um, on this. I, 
Black Widow continues to impress me as a character and scenes that she's in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's getting me more excited for that movie. Do you remember back uh, in Iron Man 2 when she was first introduced? I made the comment of saying that she felt off in that movie a little bit that I felt like. and, And I said part of it's because, you know, knowing what she becomes in later movies, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching her arc her fighting her banter her personality develop from iron man 2 all the way over to where we're at now because i completely agree with you i have purposely been watching her more before i felt like she was a forgettable character now she's she she's it seems like she's in every movie like she's got a cameo or whatever like it seems like she's almost in every movie and i love watching her yeah i agree um i think that We've talked about this in past episodes, how every hero does not need an origin story. And you touched on this, but what perfect introductions to the character of Black Panther and Mm Spider-Man. Spider-Man, clearly, we all know the story. We didn't need that backstory. Black Panther, though, may be a hero that people are not as knowledgeable about. Mm -hmm. But what Marvel brilliantly did was they went, listen, we're not going to try to explain this to you. Yeah, we're going to give you a little bit of backstory, but I think what they recognize in this day and age, if you want to know something, just Google it. You really want to know Black Panther's origin? Just go home and Google it. Yeah, we'll have a movie in a couple years, but just, we don't need to explain this to you. Here, he's the king of, he's the king of Wakanda. Done. There we go. Yeah. Um, And, and Wakanda has been mentioned a couple of times, but again, it's still got this mystique, this mysteriousness around it. And even up to this point, even though it's been mentioned, if you've not you know, obviously seen Black Panther yet, you don't understand the technological advances that Wakanda has. And then when you when they finally show it in Black Panther and you go, holy smokes, wow, I was not expecting that. So it, it, I love that they were able to keep the mystique around a little bit, too. Yeah. So and and really the I mean, this is like the what the 10th time we brought up the airport scene. I I really can't say enough of how well balanced that scene is of it's got the weight of when they're running towards each other and Spider-Man says they're not stopping and and Tony Stark says well, neither, neither are we. we we fight this is gonna end well they're not stopping neither are we Yeah. And and but then that's that's uh, in the middle of you have a metal arm. That is awesome, dude. Like, yeah, it's, Star- it's Stark, stuff like that. Stark actually has a couple of lines that I think are so they're just big lines and, and, and they make you realize how momentous the fact that they're fighting is. The first happens at the airport scene. He go, when he goes, look, this is us. You're going to do this because if it's not us, there's these other people who are going to be coming in, these stormtroopers or whatever he calls them, you know, who aren't going to be as as polite as we are right now. And then the second is when they're in Siberia and, you know, uh, Rogers goes, he's my friend. So was I. That 
you know, again, I know, you know, we're, we're a little critical of, of, of the Siberia scenes, but that moment and, and then watching him, you know, stab the, the shield into Stark's heart, basically his, his power generator there. It's just, again, I, I think probably the Russo brothers were going more for the imagery in that scene and probably let the story slide a little bit because the Im- imagery was so powerful there. Right. Um, I did love seeing the cell phone that pops out of the, out of the, the mail out of, and realizing mm-hmm. that that's the direct tie to infinity wars when, you know, he needs to call Rogers and he doesn't actually end up calling Rogers and someone else does. Uh, I think Banner does, but I just, I loved seeing that direct tie, which happens to be, you know, three years later kind of thing. Last thing I have to say is this yeah. the best Stan Lee cameo. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, was it? I, just, I mean, are you are you Tony Stank? Oh, Tony. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I honestly, I love Stan Lee, and my God, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack on this. I, they're fun in the moment, but they also take you out of the movie a little bit sometimes. Like, yeah, you know, it's Stan I, I Lee. <laughs> but yeah, Tony Stank. I, I do love when Rhodes goes. You're never going to live that down. Tony Stank for one, please. Tony Stank for one. Okay, any parts of the movie beyond the Siberia scene that obviously you don't like any other parts of the movie that didn't work for you. I've got, I've got two. Um, I'm just curious to know if you've got any, I've got, I've got two. I've got two as well. One of them's really minor. I didn't need the Steven Sharon romance. It, it, it it didn't matter. Why, why, why do we need that? That's actually one of my, and it's not so much that we didn't need it. It's that if you're going to do it, commit to it. And and honestly, I felt it was a little weird that he's kissing the niece of the love of his life. Like I just, that was weird to me. So that was one of mine. Okay. What about, what's the other one? And the last one we talked about in age of Ultron with Quicksilver and how there's no lasting impact. Did you remember that Rhodey was paralyzed? No, you're right. I, I, I actually, I remember thinking to myself when I saw that he was paralyzed, like, wait a second, he's not paralyzed in any of the future movies. Exactly. Because we just like, Oh, right. He has these new technology now. So that moment when he is is shot down from the sky and free falls and and Stark comes down and, 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 and they they so want you to feel the weight of this moment. And and beyond that, like, OK, well, he's got a lacerated spine, all this other stuff. And, and you go, oh, oh, like this, this is going to really change things. And then in future movies, it's like, and eh, now nah, he's fine. I mean, we, yeah. we, you know, we fixed him up. And and then the second one is, did this really tear the Avengers apart? The next time they meet, they seem good to go. Like, there's, uh, like, yes, I don't agree them. with that. I don't agree it, with that. It tears them apart in that they're not in the same place, but are they really like when, when they first see each other again in Endgame, are they really remembering the whole, you didn't tell me that Winter Soldier had killed my parents? Well, you're talking, you're talking Stark and Rogers, right? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that hundred percent for crying aloud. Stark hasn't talked to him in four years. I mean, by the t- okay, so by the time Infinity War, it wasn't not four years. It's, I think it's two years. So Infinity War comes out in 2018. Civil War happened in 2016. So there's about a two-year gap. I think that's pretty close to the chronological chronological order of what's happening. 
when Thanos and the children of Thanos and all that stuff infiltrate New York, he doesn't want to call. He doesn't want to call Roger. He's like, I haven't talked to him in two years. I really don't want to call him now. I think there's absolutely lasting impact there. Now, I think the bad blood only exists between. I think the bad blood is only between in Iron Man towards Rogers. I think Rogers keeps his distance, but the reason why I think Rogers doesn't have as much bad blood towards Tony is you hear, you see it in that letter, the letter that he writes to him in the end saying, look, I will always be here for you. You just need to call me. And I don't think any of the other Avengers had any bad blood towards each other at all. I, I, you know, Barton and, and Romanoff, you know, we're still friends. Spider-Man, he got into the fight late, so whatever. Barton, I think he's just protecting his family, right? So I, I agree with you that I don't think there was lasting war between them. I don't think any of them wanted to war. They were doing what they thought was best. Some of them signed the accord. Some of them did not. But the one who got hurt the most was Tony, and I think he shows it in Infinity War. Yeah, I, 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 I guess. It just... Like that, that just doesn't feel like the impact that they were going for. The, I just haven't talked to him in two years, but everyone else is cool. Like, yeah, we all just beat the snot out of each other, but you know what? Cool now. Like it just, it just didn't feel like it had the impact that it needed to. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We can agree to disagree on that one, I guess. What about you? So the two that I, we already covered the one, the two other ones that I have, which are, are really minor. I am not a fan of the way that they covered Peggy Carter's death in a text message. Like, really? Like, you're going to get a text? I don't even. I, I don't know if that was Sharon who sent the text. You know, she's gone, passed in her sleep or whatever. But regardless, like, that's like a major plot point for Steve Rogers. Why is it a text message? Like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. And then number two, how, and maybe I missed it, but how does Captain America know that Bucky killed Stark's parents. Um, he found out about it in Winter Soldier when they were in the bunker. Zola told him. I don't remember that. I really very, don't remember that. It's very subtle. It's He doesn't directly say, hey, the Winter Soldier killed Tony Stark's parents. Remember that. Um, but it was basically he was like, and when people got in the way, they were eliminated. And he flashes like video clips of the Winter Soldier murdering the Starks. Hmm. After the war, S.H.I.E.L.D. was founded, and I was recruited. The new Hydra grew, a beautiful parasite inside S.H.I.E.L.D. For 70 years, Hydra has been secretly feeding crisis, reaping war. And when history did not cooperate, history was changed. That's impossible. She'll have stopped you. Accidents will happen. Hydra created a world so chaotic that humanity is finally ready to sacrifice its freedom to gain. Yeah, that just seems like a much bigger deal. Like if that's actually what happened, and and again, the fact that Stark takes it out on Rogers that he knew and never said anything you would have thought that a flashback or something about how he knew that knowledge would have maybe been there like that. That is one of, and this, this goes to a much bigger criticism I have sometimes with the MCU. I'm thankful that we're watching these so close together, but in the same regard, that is not how they were originally released. And sometimes you're expected to remember things from three years ago or two years ago. And, and again, 
we just watched Winter Soldier a couple of you know days ago, and even then I didn't remember or remember seeing that, right? So like those are things like if it's a major plot point, flash back to it, tell us about it. You know, how do we know like, that was a major plot point? Because I remember thinking to myself, when did he find out? Did Bucky tell him? And I was genuinely confused by it. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. That was something that I, I didn't remember until I thought, it, put it this way, that was not obvious to me. You know, I, I, I played it off like, oh, clearly, Casey, you idiot. It was in this moment of Winter Soldier. And <laughs> I, I had to like really think about it. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So that takes care of Captain America Civil War. Uh, tomorrow we are uh, going into which one is it? Um, it's Spider-Man: Homecoming. I can't. Yeah, that's right. Not that's right. right. Yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I have not seen it, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I'm excited to kind of watch something I haven't seen before. Um, and you know, we're really in the home stretch at this point, right? So, um, if you want to get a hold of us, guys, uh, Beers Ears 1928 on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, Beers and Ears Podcast, or you can email us at beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Uh, okay, uh, with that said, we're going to go and sign off, and we will see you guys again tomorrow. Have a great day. See you tomorrow, everybody.